I don't know what it was as a little kid. Maybe you were like me. I loved traps. Something about traps just kind of caught my imagination, whether it was on my little Fisher Price castle at the top and the little guy would fall down that little trap or or maybe it was a trap door on my or the trap on my Ewok, uh, you know, kind of a village thing that I had. I loved traps. I loved all kinds of traps, especially in Goonies when Dade was always setting booby traps. Traps. That's what I said, Sam. Setting booby traps in case of anybody's following us. Like if we told us so we can hear them coming. Okay, hurry up. Good idea. Hey, Data, where are you going? I'm setting booty traps. You mean booby traps. That's what I said, booby traps. Quiet. Shh. God, these guys. And so just traps are one of those fun pieces, but they're not exciting when you're in them. They're pretty actually difficult, horrible scenarios. And around every corner, you'll find traps. You, you can find traps there. In fact, one of my friends wound up in a trap during his time in the military. He had a commanding officer who had asked him to ensure that a large supply of office furniture had been taken and dumped. They needed to get rid of it as, as soon as possible. And so he grabbed a team, organized everything up, had it all dumped. Well, while they were dumping at the end of it, the commanding officer came up and realized, oh my gosh, not all of it should have been dumped. In fact, now they were gonna have a loss because they had replaced some of it. And so he pulled my friend and started berating him up and down. You're gonna tell me who told you to dump all that stuff and who didn't listen to me and didn't dump these things. And he had to stand there and he had a choice on his hand. He was in a trap. On one side, either he had to tell his commanding officer that, no, you did tell me to throw all this away or he was gonna lie and make somebody else get in trouble that did nothing wrong and forfeit his witness as a Christian in the midst of the military. That's a trap. And what's dangerous about these kind of traps is that they're morally ambiguous and they're difficult to work through. And what we find today is that David is also finding himself in a trap. Every time he turns around, every corner he goes around, something seems to be happening in David's life right now, especially as we look at him here in 1 Samuel chapter 23. We're going to look at the first few verses here because now David has just um, escaped Saul and Saul has just killed off all of the priests of Nob and a whole bunch of horrible things are happening. But now he's going to hear something as people have gathered to him. And so we pick up right here in verse 1. It says, Now they told David... Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kayla. Now, this should have been Saul's job. He didn't do it. Um, Saul was too busy killing a bunch of priests right now to pay attention to what the Lord wanted. And so uh, David is listening to the Lord. He takes off. He goes. But David's men said to him, Behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kela against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kela, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. Now, his men had good reason to be afraid. Remember, these are the people that gathered around him because they had debts, because they were kind of freaked out and scared of Saul, or they were being pursued. These guys aren't warriors necessarily. And yet David is being told, Take your team, take your 600 guys, and go rescue these people from 
the Philistines. And so, indeed, David does this. It says, David and his men went to Caleb and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Caleb. And when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David at Caleb, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. So here is the man. He's standing there. He says, Hey, the, the, the priest is here. He hears at this time that all the priests at Nob have been killed after he saved Kayla. So all this is overlapping here. But he notices that Abathar is carrying with him an actual ephod. And this ephod is a thing that uh, they would wear, a priest would wear on the exterior. It was considered the most important piece of his clothing. And that ephod was going to be used then to, to hear from the Lord, to kind of connect with the Lord. It was kind of an interesting cultic thing. We're not quite sure why this works this way, but it was intended that as a way of connecting with God. And so it goes on. Now, it was told Saul that David had come to Cala. And Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kayla to besiege David and his men. Now, what's interesting is it's not quite clear in the ESV, but it's a little clearer in other translations. There was only one gate and it would be barred. And so there is only one way in and one way out for David there in Kayla. Now, Saul's going to come down, he's going to surround the town, put it under siege, at which is a dangerous position for Caleb because now they're going to be starving to death. They're going to find themselves in a situation in which they don't have anything. And so David is in a difficult scenario altogether It's because he's on his way and David's going to hear about this. Uh, David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Now, pause right there for a second, because here's the problem. This is a complicated scenario of traps. I mean, he's in this, a difficult moral position. On one side, he's thinking, hey, look, I'm the hero here. I just saved them from the Philistines. Surely they won't throw me to Saul. And yet he has to back up and say, but if Saul besieges the city, man, I, you know, they're going to starve. And if Saul wants me, they're going to throw me to Saul. So I don't know what side I'm going to stand on here. On another side, he's thinking, look, the priests of Nob were just killed because they helped me. Are these people going to be killed because they helped me? And so surely they're not going to keep me. They're going to throw me to Saul. And yet at the same time, I saved them, so they, they owe me. You know, they know I stand with the Lord, but yet they think I'm Saul's man. So, so he is in this contrasting situation. So much information, so much stress, 600 men, a whole town that he has just saved. I mean, he is sitting there going, I don't know what to choose. I don't know what to do. Maybe you and me have been in those scenarios. Maybe you've been in one of those trap situations where it's so intense, so much information, you're not sure. Your child comes out to you and says that they're gay. And you're just like, you didn't see it coming. You don't know what to think. You know, how do you treat your child? Do you abandon your faith? I mean, if you abandon your faith, what does that mean to show your child this love? Do, do, am I showing them love if I tell them that it's sin? What do I do with this? And some of you have been in those complicated trap situations where honestly the wrong choice is going to lead into a destruction of either your faith or destruction of your child or destruction of something else. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where a loved one's committed a crime and you found out about it and you're like, I got to turn them in or I don't turn them in. They're, they're on drugs and you know what's best for them, but you're not sure how to handle it or, or to draw that hard line. Or maybe you find yourself in a scenario where you're told to lie at work or, or as our friend was told that he was 
going to have to blame someone else for a situation that they didn't do. Guys, we can fall into traps and they're morally ambiguous situations. They're difficult at times. And here's the thing. If you don't know what to do, then you're going to turn to people. You're going to run around and turn to different people. And let's, let, let's be honest. We shouldn't just turn to people. We need to let God's word guide us in decisions. Let God's word guide you in these decisions and these traps because there's so much going on here. In fact, David does this thing. It picks up. He says, David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kayla to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kayla surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. And so David said, will the men of Kayla surrender me and my men to the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Now it's beautiful. God is telling David what will happen if certain things happen. This is how great God is. He knows the future of even what could occur, and he can tell us what might happen if we make one choice or another. God is that knowledgeable, just as an aside. But David makes a choice. David takes in the Word of God, takes in the knowledge, and he, and he looks at this, and he chooses to go. He leaves. David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kayla, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kayla, he gave up on the expedition, and David reminded, uh, remained in the strongholds in the wilderness in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. And so David, again, makes the right decision. He lets God's word guide him in his decision. Again, he asked for this, this ephod. Bring the ephod here. Bring me and show me what's going on. And the ephod is a representation of seeking God's will, of seeking the person who is most knowledgeable about God and his will, right? That would be the priest. And hey, when you're running into a trap in a situation, you run to other people and you start seeking things. One, you should seek for guidance from the word of God. And sometimes it's gonna be from godly people. Don't just go collect anybody around you. You know, I'm gonna ask my pastor and I'm gonna ask my best friend and I'm gonna ask my four non-Christian friends and my, I'm gonna send it out on Facebook and get a poll, you know. That's not how you get good wisdom and advice. It's not like the aggregate of everybody's ideas. You really wanna to go to godly people in your life who are committed to the word of God and know the word of God and can hand you wisdom in the word of God. You see, he went to the word of God. He went to the word of God that he had, which was the priest, and he received wisdom and insight. In the same way, guys, we need to be ready in the word of God because you need to be ready with the word. Look, you can't cram for the test. It's just not possible to, in the middle of a trap like this to, to cram for the test in the last in five seconds. It's like, hold on, child. I know you just said something important. Let me go run and read all my Bible and figure out what I should do here. You know, or, or time out, time out, you know, boss, you, you're telling me to lie to this guy. Oh, give me a second. I got to go read, you know, Leviticus and, and, and Jesus and all this stuff. No, you should be a, in the word ahead of time. You should already have it infused in your life. You should be ready because not only do you need wise people in the word of God, you should be a wise person in the word of God if you've lived in the faith very long. You should be bringing it into your soul. You should be connecting. And look, 
Let me just say this clearly, let me put it on a side note. Don't complicate what's already clear. Come on, people. If God says don't sleep around, and he clearly says it, not to sleep with your spouse, you know, your, your girlfriend before you get married, then don't do it. Don't go running around looking for all kinds of other advice and information. It's like, oh, look, I've, I've determined that I, I can hate this kind of people, but I can't hate that kind of... No, what's clear is clear. Don't complicate what's clear. Don't try to argue that what God says is sin isn't sin. Don't try to say that, you know, well, I know I'm supposed to love everybody, but this group of people's out. Now, that's not the case. If he says don't slander, don't slander. You know, this is just clear, right? So don't complicate what's clear. Let's just do it. Let's just try our best. We're going to sin. We're going to fail. But don't complicate it and excuse yourself trying to make the Bible all oh, crazy. Not, no, no, know the Word of God. Know it. Put it in your life. You're going to need it to make good decisions because those traps are coming. Those difficult situations are going to be there, and you're going to need that wisdom. But included in that, then, is, is that prayer, right? You want to ask God. You know, it seems like, hey, Greg, he wasn't looking at the, uh, at the Word of God. He was talking to the priest. He was praying, and God was talking to him. And I believe God speaks to us. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely believe God speaks to us. He will never contradict His Word, though. And in fact, here's the thing. Do you know his voice? Do you realize there are other spiritual powers in this world that speak to us? There are other spiritual powers in this world who tell us lies. You know, Satan's the one who is the liar from the beginning. Where do these crazy concepts come from? They don't come from just human beings. We create plenty of problems. But man, they'll whisper to you. They'll give you the lie that that person hates your guts and you really should get back at them. Oh, now everything's destroyed in your family because of this situation with your kids or that drugs or whatever. Oh, now you know what you need to do? You just need to hammer them with the Bible. Just hit them. Get them. The enemy wants to break you down, wants the gospel to be ended in your life, wants the message to cease, wants the love of Jesus to be halted because he doesn't want you to get out there. They will tell you all kinds of things. The only way to truly know God's voice in prayer, when you're asking for wisdom, when you're asking for direction, is to have already the word of God in your heart so that you know his voice. This is his voice. You'll hear it. You'll know it. And so let me challenge you. Don't just simply have a quiet time. Let's take it deeper. First of all, with the Word of God, we should read it. Obviously, we talk about this in our Love Keystone. We say you and I should be the people who are raking, raking, and raking. When you read, you rake through the Bible. You take in as much as you can. You're going to try to get a whole picture of the Bible. Try to read the whole Bible. As a Christian, I think you should read the Bible as often as you can and through it as many times as you can. I think it is a good thing. Rake through that Bible, but that's not enough. I mean, it's one thing to drive through the town or fly over the town. It's another thing to hang out in the town and get to know the culture. That's the equivalent of studying your Bible. Guys, there's a whole culture to know. And unfortunately, what many of us have done with the Bible is we kind of do this. Blah, 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 blah. Ooh, I really like that verse. I'm going to put that on a coffee mug. Blah, 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 blah. Don't get it, don't get it, don't. Ooh, I'm going to post that one on Facebook. I don't get it, don't get it, don't get it. That's not how you read the Bible. You got to study it because the things you don't get, God put there on purpose. 
The things you don't understand have purpose and meaning that God wants us to grab, that take us deeper, that give us understanding. Guys, that takes time. You need to know that ancient world. You got to pick up a commentary. You got to read about the history. You got to put yourself in that world to say, what is this saying to me? Yeah, I think we should study it. Don't just give it over to the pastor. If you want to have wisdom, at least study what you can study. Go to the depth that you can go. Go deeper and then memorize it because now you're not just reading it, knowing the whole thing. You're not just studying it, getting deep into it. You're memorizing it so the truths are sticking in your head. And once those truths are locked in your head, you'll know God's word. He'll bring those truths to your mind. You'll know exactly what they mean and how to apply it so you can practice it. And now you have wisdom for the trap. Your wisdom for the difficult scenario. You have all this knowledge, you have information that's been stored into your soul that is shaping you like Christ, transforming and conforming your mind. That is how you get wisdom. That is seeking the Word of God in the middle of the trap. David examples this to us by going to that priest and saying, Hey, you've got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to God. What have you got for me? And so David does this and David gets that answer and he escapes the trap and moves forward in the scenario. And to be quite honest, that traps are stressful, man. I've been in one of those traps recently myself. And to be, to be honest, it's been difficult because on one side, we have a, a large group of people that want us to open the church. And to be fully open, like, let's not worry about all the things. On the other side, we've got people who, who don't want the church opened at all. And I feel like we're, we're being, a, it's threatening to, to those who may, be, who may get sick and die. And, and, and both sides are very, very confident in their position. They both want me to stand with them and, and proclaim with them what they, and I feel right in the middle that I love both of you guys. And it can be a trap. There's wisdom that we got to have from the scriptures. And that wisdom is something I've been seeking, but that, but that wisdom or that, that trap creates a sense of stress because in one way, you're doomed on either side. And David felt that and he understood that Saul was still after him now. He couldn't get away from this guy. And it's no wonder then the word of God comes up again. But now it's going to come from another person. It's going to come from his friend, Jonathan, and he's going to be encouraged. And so I want to challenge you guys to encourage your friends, to encourage those who are under stress, to encourage those who are right now feeling trapped, who are stuck in difficult places, trying to bring the gospel to different groups that are on this mission and out there for Jesus and his mission to bring people to know him, man. Sure, out there doing it, you're gonna feel that stress and that trap. Encourage one another, encourage one another. God wants to encourage us through others and he wants us to use the word of God to do so. In fact, we see it right here as we continue on in verse 15. It says, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. I love this. It is a beautiful picture because here is Jonathan. He's saying, look, I know dad's coming to seek your life. There's a stress in your life. He affirms that truth. But then he goes, listen, I'm going to strengthen you. He strengthens him in God. 
He says, here's the promise that God has given you. God has said, you're going to be king. I know it. I'm going to be with you. This is how it's going to work. And that's encouraging, guys. We need to encourage each other with the promises of God. Encourage each other with the truths of God, with the word of God. Because the lies that we can believe. David could be sitting there going, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm never gonna be king. Those are lies that we can believe. And Jonathan was gonna address that and nail it. Guys, there's lots of lies out there that the world powers, this, this spiritual realm is trying to give to you. They're the liars, they're whispering to you, they're telling you stuff, man. They're saying things like, look, politics can save us. Politics and do just get the right party and get the right people and we're gonna tell politics is gonna destroy it all. It's gonna mess it up. Just be focused there, guys. You could be telling you, I can keep myself. I can keep myself safe. If I just keep myself safe, I'm good. I can keep myself there. And I'll be okay. Or or maybe it's like, you know what? Humanity's got this figured out. We're gonna get this figured out. We just just give us more time, give us more technology, give us more money. We'll, we'll knock this thing out. We will defeat these horrible evils in this world. Right structures, right things. Or, hey, you know, I can be a Christian and not go to church. You know, I, I don't need the community. It's optional. Some are small lies, some are big lies. They're lies. They're not from the scriptures. But there are things we believe. There are things we forward. And what happens is we can, in these traps, begin to believe lies. And they can begin to trap us even further. And it calls for us to step up with the Gospels, to step up with the truths of God. And do what Thessalonians says, right? For encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Guys, we need to be building each other and helping each other forward. Bringing the Word of God. Bringing these truths to each other. Because it's not the politics that saves us. The Gospel saves, right? Amen, church? The Gospel saves us. And Jesus didn't come back on Air Force One. Woo! He's coming back on a white horse. He's coming back. He's King of Kings, ruler of rulers, Lord of Lords, President of Presidents. He's over it all. He's gonna win in the end. And that's what we need to remember. And that's what needs to encourage us. See, it's not that we can keep ourselves safe and give ourselves another day of life. No, it's the resurrection that saves you. You can add neither an hour to your life. God's got you here for a purpose. He's got you here for a reason. Even if you're gonna stay home to love your neighbor and to love your loved ones around you, you'd be on the mission of God. You do everything you can to continue to bring that gospel because it's not about your safety. It is the resurrection that will keep you safe, the resurrection that will get you through death, the resurrection that brings you to the place that there's no sin, no, no sickness, no dying, no crying, all gone, right? That's the truth. And I want to encourage you in that today. Don't be afraid. Don't think that you can keep yourself safe, but stand firm in the Word of God, in the resurrection, and proclaim that gospel. Remember, it's not humanity can save us. Humanity is untrustworthy, guys. We are sinful. We are broken. It is Jesus who is worthy to be trusted. It is Jesus who is not broken. It is Jesus that we put our trust in, and He will be the one that makes it right. Not technology, not the money, not more time. He's already done it. It's the gospel that changes things, and it's Jesus who saved us to a community and not an optional community. Otherwise, he wouldn't have created the church. Jesus always had community. He's a triunity, the Trinity, and he wants you and me to be in community and praise God you're in it. And let's be consistent. Let's encourage our friends back because we need the truths of God to encourage one another. Amen, church? 
That's what we do to build each other up and keep in mind that ultimate promise in all of these things and all the difficulties and all the stress that God has loved you. He will not release you. He has saved you. He has given you Jesus on the cross to bear your sins, to remove the shame, to make you right with God. He has overcome the evil one. He has destroyed the spiritual powers in this world. He has delivered us the truth. He gives us life after death because he's resurrected and he rules sitting at the right hand of God. He is God ruling all things. Man, we can say amen because he's coming to get us. That's the truth that we want to continue to promote and encourage each other with. Look, we are going to go through difficult spots and we're going to need to be encouraged. So let's have the word of God in our lives. Let's have the gospel flowing through and let's encourage one another. Let's build one another up. Let's make this happen. Now, that encouragement came to David and I think it was just in time. We pick up as we continue. It says, Then the Ziphites went to up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh on the hill of Hakaliah, which is south of Jeshimon? Now, come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him to the king's hand. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, if you've had compassion on me. This is an awful situation now David's in. He is down in his own territory in Judah, and they're betraying him. He thought, man, at least I'd be safe in my home turf. Nope. And so suddenly, he finds himself in a difficult scenario. In fact, they go on. Saul says, go make yet more sure. No one see the place where his foot is. Who has seen him there? For it is told to me that he's very cunning. See, therefore, and Take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. Then I'll go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And so Saul wants the most detailed information. This is the first time he really zeroes in on it. And so David is going to find himself in one of the most difficult spots he's ever been in. He is going to be in one of the most dangerous traps he's ever faced. Goes on and they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah, south of Jeshimon, and Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain, and David was hurrying to get away from Saul. Now suddenly we see that David's finding himself in an impossible trap. We can find ourselves in that. There's no way out. He's on one side of a the mountain, they're on the other, and they're closing in. Man, that's like finding yourself hooked by temptation and it's dragging you away. You know you can't do it, but you've already had the argument and you're that close. You're stepping, 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 and it's an inevitable moment when you're about to do it. You're about to, you're about to sin. You're cornered in your faith at work. And you know that you're going to get disciplined if something goes wrong here. You're, you're stuck. Or maybe you find that you've, you've been posed that question and you now need to answer it because everything is riding on whether you're going to be credited or discredited as a Christian. You know, we can be in really hard, difficult traps. And sometimes we need to hope and, and we need to look for God to rescue us through providence. There are those times where God will just step in and thank the Lord. He just rescues us through the providence of God. That's what happens with David. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry! 
and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the lands. And so Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi, a beautiful oasis. And what I love about this is that God will sometimes show up in what looks like happenstance to rescue us from dangers. You ever seen that in your life? About to sin, you get the phone call. You're in a situation, you're cornered, and somebody else goes, hey, dude, we got a meeting, and they got to leave. There's a, something else pops up, or suddenly there's a distraction, or something gets postponed that otherwise was going to be a really bad situation. And you're just like, God, thank you. That's God's providence. That's not happenstance. And when that kind of thing happens, man, we should be praising him and worshiping him. Again, David loves to worship God about the things that have happened. And so he writes Psalm 54 about this very event. You can look at Psalm 54 on your own at a later date. But I want you to hear a few of these verses because what we're seeing is that he's just praising God for the fact that he was set free. It says, with a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. He's going, I have to give you credit for the crazy happenstance. I have to give you credit. The Philistines came. I'm free. I'm good. And that's exactly what we should do. Man, when God does that, write it down, come to church, start to worship, turn on the service and start singing the songs. Don't skip the worship. Go back and sing the songs because God is worthy of our praise. Even out of tune, even when we're at home alone, God is worthy of our praise church because he has rescued us he has rescued us when we weren't looking to be delivered he has rescued us from the traps and man we love that we love that when he does it and i get it some of you are guys like, well what about when he doesn't deliver me what about those times where he actually literally has left me in the problem well there's lots of things that he could be doing number one he might be trying to reveal how strong your faith is and Peter, writing to the church, says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So these guys are going through it. They didn't escape the traps. Why did they do that? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, God wants to show you that your faith is strong. He's putting you through this and testing you through this so that you get stronger. And when you are standing before God, it's to His glory and to His fame because, man, you have stood well with God. You please Him and He sees it and He loves it. This is the beautiful thing that when you come out of difficult scenarios, it reveals that, hey, my faith is stronger and God is pleased. I remember going through a very difficult time of doubt in my life where a friend of mine who was very influential was uh, walking away from the faith because he had taken up the, uh, he had thrown out the Trinity. And I remember going through that process of studying the Trinity and, and wondering if it was even true and wondering if it was even real in the scriptures and what's going on here. And suddenly, as it's layered in, and I learned more and more. I came to this place on the other end of all that very fearful doubt where I was not sure I was going to stay a Christian. And I felt like, wow, God, you brought me through. And he put me through that trial. He put me through those tests so that it would reveal to me that my faith was genuine. And sometimes he does that. Sometimes he does it because, you know, to be honest, we deserve to be in the trap. It's a discipline. He's trying to reveal a sin inside of us. In Hebrews, the author tells us, this, and have you forgotten the exhortation 
that addresses you as sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That means this, if you find yourself in a trap and it may be your own doing because of sin, don't take it lightly. Don't regard it like, ah, it's just a thing. I got in trouble, mad at God. No, God's trying to shape something out of you. He's trying to break a sin out of you. He's trying to pull pride or, or remove the gluttony, destroy the greed. He's trying to take all the pleasure-orientedness and reorient it to pleasing Him. He's trying to take the, the lying and, and the corruption that has just gotten so easy to come out of your mouth and the slander and just the, well, judgment. Nah, nah, nah. He's trying to show you that this stuff is there. Maybe COVID is a discipline to wake us to the fact that we have been preaching the gospel like we should. Maybe sometimes our restrictions on ourselves that we found is because we weren't using them freely before. Maybe we should think, hey, God, if we're in this, it's for a purpose to reveal something in us and we should take it seriously. Why is God putting you through what you're going through? Because you could go through this and find out, man, you stood firm, you preached the gospel, and boom, you got it better. Or you find out, hey, God, you revealed this to me and you removed it from me, and now I'm standing stronger with you. Don't take lightly if God may be disciplining you. It's not a bad thing. It's intended for your growth. Finally, you know, we may fall into these things because the bottom line is he, he just wants us to stay faithful and he wants us to remember that he is our Savior. See, in Galatians, we're reminded that we are saved. Again, grace to you and peace from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. See, it's God who's going to deliver us, and sometimes we fall into these traps, and we never know why, but the bottom line is we receive salvation from Christ. See, we find ourselves in a trap. See, we stand before God condemned by our sin, by our arrogance, by our selfishness, by all of these broken things that we've talked about, but God, in His love, has acted on our behalf. He brought his son, Jesus. God himself came to bear our sins, to bear our punishment on himself, on the cross, so that you would be forgiven of your sins. You could be made right with God so that you would have promise of eternal life. You will be resurrected in the end of the age and he will rule over all these things. And he gives you the chance to know him, to walk with him and to see him. And this is given to you as a gift. You don't clean yourself up, you just receive it. Maybe today you know you need to receive that right now. You know you need to be rescued from the trap of judgment for your sins. Then right now, give, give you that chance right now. Bow your heads and just say, God in heaven, I know that I've sinned. And I know that I'm stuck because I am going to be condemned. I trust that you've given me Jesus Christ to bear my sins. I trust that he has risen from the dead to give me life. I trust that he is ruling over all things now, and so I want to follow him. Would you please come into my life and lead me through it in the name of Jesus, amen. If you made that decision, would you let somebody know right there online? We'd love to connect with you and get you information so you can continue growing in your spiritual life as well. And for the rest of us who are Christians, maybe you're going like, well, what happened to your friend? Well, actually, he was berated for several minutes by this commanding officer over and over and over again, being told that he needed to tell him who it was, and he didn't say anything. He said, sir, I'm sorry to tell you, but you told me to throw all those things away. The man was livid, and my friend was sure his career was over. But outside, others were listening, and they brought it forward, 
And this man seemingly found his way to be a gopher in the Pentagon and actually was moved out. And what's beautiful is my friend was actually cared for and his witness stood firm. God had rescued him because he was willing to stand firm in the trap. Hey, I pray that God helps you stand firm in the trap. I hope the word of God encourages you today and helps you make good decisions. May he bless you and empower you because around every corner are these traps, but with us is his word.